Blog Talk Radio. opportunity for me to come into your living rooms, into your homes, offices, wherever you may be listening to this from, with deeper insights, even as we dig deeper into the word that the Lord spoke. When the Lord himself talked about the wedding of the Lamb of God as being equalized, being synonymous in a parable of the ten virgins, five who were foolish and failed to enter, five wise and entered into the banquet, the wedding of the Lamb of God. But today I want to talk about when the Lord said He is the light of the world, essentially He implied that there is a darkness out there in the world and that darkness carries wickedness and evil. And so He was urging us as His people to make sure we seek the light so we can be able to see the righteousness of the Lord. Hallelujah. So in other words, when the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins received revelation of the coming of the Lord, that the Lord will come very soon in the rapture, into the wedding of the Lamb of God, and they lit up their lamps, took the light, hallelujah, and they went out into the darkness, they essentially were emulating, taking up the command, so they too may bring forth the light of the Lord that they have found unto the dark world. So that speaks about the righteousness that they were supposed to reflect. Hallelujah. And that also brings into definition, into this picture, he that gave them the light. Who lit their lamps? So they would be able to bring into the dark world the light that only comes from the Lord. Because only the Lord is the light of the world. Let us advance this very slowly. In the book of Ezekiel chapter 1, again we are still talking about our Lord Jesus being the light of the world. Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 27. This is what he says here, precious people. Ezekiel was describing the throne around the Lord. When the Lord, he opened the eyes of Ezekiel, the prophet of God, and Ezekiel was able to look and see the throne of God, this is what he saw. Just one verse, verse 27, Ezekiel 1, 27, this is what he says. He says, I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire, and that from there down he looked like fire and brilliant light, surrounded him. So you begin to understand why the Lord said, I am the light of the world. Because around the throne of God, there is the brilliant light of the Lord. And we are seeing very clearly here that that light is what allows his people, hallelujah, to see the righteousness of the Lord. And we know that the righteousness of the Lord is an absolute requirement for the five wise virgins even to enter into the kingdom of God. You see how I'm pulling this, I'm beginning to derive this for you. So you may understand exactly why the virgins carried the lamps they carried. 
they did not carry ornamental lamps. I know in many homes, you get some lamps which are very ornamental, decorative purpose. This is not for decorative purpose. They carried lamps, so the lamps would help them in the darkness of the world where they were heading to, so they can be the light of that world, reflecting the light of the world that is our Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. In other words, becoming the bearers of the light of the Lord in the dark world, so they may be able to be the bearers of the mighty light of the Lord, who is the light of the world, so they too may be the light of the world in the darkness of the world. Understanding the nature of the Lord as the light of the world will enable us also to understand the quality of life, the distinction between the quality of life that the wise virgins had compared to the quality of life that the foolish virgins had, which quality of light enabled the wise virgins to be able to perform even in the last moment, the peak hour, when everything set in, the anxiety, the fear that you see in very soon, when finally the announcement has been made, and all the other lamps are going low, they are dying, they are extinguishing, they are going dim, yet the quality of light that the five wise virgins had, in fact, went up and up from one level of glory to the next, thereby enabling them to perform at peak time the last days, hallelujah, and to enter into the wedding banquet of the Lamb of God. Now we are working on the mechanics of the process that allows the remnant church to enter into the wedding of the Lamb of God. And that's why I said, I'm going to dissect it for you such that no stone will be left unturned and such that at the end of this session it will be clear without a speck of a doubt what you ought to do so you can enter into the kingdom of God. And I'm bringing this to you very much aware of the fact that every letter of every word written in this book, the Bible, will be fulfilled on that day. So it's absolutely important that we understand that the King of Wisdom, our Lord, when He spoke these things, these are things that have a lot of revelation embedded underneath, thereby requiring the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, so we may be able to understand for purposes of entering into the kingdom of God. But again, we see very clearly here that therefore, the lamp was necessary because there was darkness out. And the lamp was necessary because it's a commissioning statement that was spoken to the remnant that now steps out to wait on the bridegroom. That for those who will lead many into the righteousness of the Lord, they will shine like the stars forever and ever on the day of the rapture. At the same time, we see that the light that the ten virgins carried had to have a certain quality, so they too may not stumble and fall, which light, whose quality would allow them to see the rocks and the little stones even as they are walking along this path in the darkness of the world, 
and are waiting for the coming of the bridegroom so they may enter having not fallen. Hallelujah. Which quality of light, I repeat, would be able to withstand the heavy storms of the midnight hour, the heavy winds that were going to come at the midnight hour, when all the other lamps would be extinguished and dying and beaming out, so they would still be able to perform and enter. So let's move on to the next level, precious people. The book of John chapter 1, I'm reading verses 1 to 5. Hallelujah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, verse 3. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Hallelujah. In Him was life, and that life was the light of man. You see the light that the Lord brought to the world, the dark world? In Him was light, and that light was the life of man. You immediately begin to see that there was death and darkness upon the fall of Adam. And now he brings light, which is the life for man. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has never understood it. Listen, precious viewers, this is absolutely critical to the church because I am still exploring the fact that the Lord made a sweeping, everlasting statement when he said, I am the light of the world. That means he brought a certain light that is the life that we needed so we can bear the life of the Lord that the dying world can tap upon, can see and find Christ. And that life is given unto us by the light that the Lord brought unto the dark world. You see that? And that's why it was absolutely necessary for the ten virgins to pick a lamp each before they stepped out in the darkness. I'm just exploring on the darkness why the Lord said he would come in the midnight in the heart of the darkness and why it was necessary for the virgins, the five wise virgins, five foolish virgins to carry their lamps. And once you will understand this, then you can understand also the requirements of the Lord on what quality of light you ought to emit in the dark world so you can be able to enter the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Remember, there are other counterfeit lights and fires and lamps. We are familiar very well with Nadab and Abihu who lit some strange fires even before the Lord. So there are other fires too. But I want to walk you very slowly in that direction. So we may be able to know even how the wise virgins entered into the kingdom of God. Now, the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. This is what it says. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. It says, But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And it says, It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and be trampled by men. That is very critical if you really want to understand the distinction between the five foolish virgins and the five wise virgins. Let me bring it to another level. The church that fails to enter the rapture and the church that makes up the perfect bride of Christ and enters the rapture. He says, when she loses her saltiness, she has to be trampled, rejected, as in to tell you the truth, I do not know you. 
Hallelujah. And then he goes to verse 14 and says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light up a lamp and put it under a bowl. In other words, under a roof called a church. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before man. Hallelujah. Do you begin to understand why the virgins had to take their lamps and go out? Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds, hallelujah, and praise your Father in heaven. I think this is absolutely deep right now, because he is bringing in another factor now. That that light is not an ornamental light, like I said, just a decorative light, but that light is a reflection of the light of the world that is our Lord Jesus, that the wise virgins have been able to tap from. No wonder they cease to remain in the house, in the four walls of the church, and now they step out wearing the image of Christ, the Son of the living God, who said, I am the light of the world, meaning the dark world, I am the light of the dark world. And they too, taking up the commission now, stepping out into the darkness, that men may see now the good deeds. That means that light brings forth the good deeds. Hallelujah. The good deeds of the Holy Spirit. Down the line, I'm going to speak about the fruits of the Spirit that comes with the light. And why the oil is the Holy Spirit. But it's very important to understand that that light is supposed to be seen by the dying world, by the lost souls. He says, we cannot light up that light and put it under a bowl or under a roof. If these ones have received the Lord, let us seek out and find people that have not known the Lord from different religions, from different backgrounds, so we can evangelize to them, so they too may find the light that we have found. And remember that you too, Somebody had to step out to evangelize to you so you could receive the Lord and be the bearer of the light of the Lord, the light of the world. Hallelujah. And so he says very clearly here that the virgins had to take the lamps because the Lord says, you are the light of the world. So it was absolutely necessary that they take up the lamps as they are going out in the darkness. That when the world will see them, the world will see the good deeds of the Lord and give praises unto the Lord God our Father in heaven. In other words, they too may believe and find light. They too may believe and step out of darkness. Hallelujah. To bring it to another level, that they too may believe and step out of the death that characterizes the darkness. Because very clearly we have seen that when he came in John chapter 1, he brought the light, and that light became the life of men. Hallelujah. What a mighty, mighty time for the church. Let's move on as we continue to look at the darkness. Why did the Lord say that the rapture church has to finally pick up the lamp and step out in the darkness? What is in this light and darkness? And that's what I'm trying to dissect for you here. 
so the church may understand very clearly, without confusion, without ambiguity, there is a certain requirement, there is a certain quality, a certain threshold, a certain minimum within the quality of the life that the church needs to carry for her to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, the five foolish virgins and the five wise virgins, all of them had their lamps lit. But only the wise virgins are able to make it into the kingdom of God. To me, that's the most important peak and finality of the waiting process, that you may enter into the kingdom of God. And we are seeing very clearly here that the light that they carry has its genesis, its beginning in the light of the world. And that to me is so critical because it brings into picture who lit their lamps. Hallelujah. If you are going to be a bearer of the light that comes out of Christ Jesus, the light of the world, there is no other except that your lamp is lit by Christ. And I'm asking you already, those of you that are listening, who lit your lamp? Whose lamp are you bearing? Hallelujah. Well, let's move on. In the book of Matthew chapter 6, we're still advancing on the same understanding that there was an absolute need to carry a lamp as the church waits for the bridegroom. Because there is darkness out there. But what does the Lord tell us about this lamp she carries? Is she just carrying an ornamental lamp? a decoration, and she waits, we are seeing that absolutely no. There is a requirement of a certain quality in the lamp she bears. In fact, we are even seeing now that there are several counterfeit lights. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 6, verses 20 to 24. This is what he says here about the light that the church goes out with in the darkness to wait on the Lord. Again, Matthew chapter 6, Verses 22 all the way to 24. This is what the Lord says. He says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. Verse 23 says, But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, then how gross, how great is that darkness? Again, to bring it to another level, you begin to understand why the Lord was talking about the need for the church to be the bearer of the light, to carry the light and go out in the darkness. And now it dawns on the church that the light they are carrying, the light the church is carrying in the darkness of the world, in the dark world, is essentially a reflection of of the state of the church. Hallelujah. Because it says, your eyes are the lamp of your body. Now, it is very critical we understand that when the Lord was speaking about the ten virgins going out with light in the darkness, he essentially implied that when the world will look at the lamp, when the world will look at the light emitted, hallelujah, from the church, then the world will be able to know how much light there is in the church. In other words, the world will be able to find light. Hallelujah. There is no way, this is what the Lord is saying, there is no way that the church would carry a light that does not reflect her state of being. And that's why he says, 
your eyes are the lamp of the body. If there is going to be darkness inside you, then all you will emit is darkness. And that brings us very close to the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of repentance. We know very clearly that for the church to receive Christ, for the church even to have been created, she must have repentance. Hallelujah. And that's why the Lord is emphasizing mightily the need for the church to be able to reflect herself in the light she emits. Now, I know already you're beginning to ask, what is the difference in the quality of light that the wise virgins were emitting compared to what the foolish virgins emitted? And it's absolutely clear that in the beginning, all the lamps were lit. All the lamps gave the same quality of light. But there is a certain requirement of the peak and time that brings a lot of weight, a lot of load on the lamps. And that's why there is the burning out of lamps. But let's move it to another level so you can understand it clearly. The book of First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 5 to 9. Still talking about the lamp and the light, but the wise virgins were able to emit which lamp and light allowed them to enter the kingdom of God. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 5 to 9. This is what it says here. You are sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. Hallelujah. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. That's the second time it says self-controlled. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation of our Lord Jesus. And he goes on and on. So you see very clearly here that essentially when the Lord spoke about the virgins that went out with their lamps giving light into the darkness of the world, the five foolish virgins and the five wise virgins going to wait for the rapture, wait for the coming of the Lord, outside, they stepped out into the darkness, he essentially implied that when the men of the world, when the world will look at the light they meet, the world should be able to see the salvation of our God through our Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And that is bringing us even closer and closer to the oil, because how can the world see the salvation of Christ in the church? That means there are certain things the world would need to see in the life of the five wise virgins, that is the remnant church, that's the redefined remnant bride of Christ. There are certain attributes of her life that this light is supposed to emit so that the world may find the life of Christ. Hallelujah. And he continues on by saying, that the salvation of our Lord is what the world should see. Salvation meaning redemption from sin. Hallelujah. And he says, we cannot continue living in the darkness or living as children of the night, of the dark, 
And you see in the same scripture saying, those who get drunk, they get drunk in the night. So you begin right away to see very clearly that the light that the bride of Christ is supposed to emit into the dark world should be free from the wickedness and the evil of the world. Because he says, all evil and wickedness takes place in the darkness, in the night. Hallelujah. What a tremendous time for the church. I just finish up with Revelation chapter 22. We are still dealing with the light that the Lord allowed the perfect bride, the five wise virgins, to emit. And it becomes absolutely clear that for the five wise virgins to have emitted the rightful light that makes them the bearers of the light of the world that cometh from the Lord Jesus, for them to have been able to emit the right quality of light into the dark world, then their lamps must have been lit by Christ. Hallelujah. So they can be able to carry the light of the world. The light that is Christ. But how about the light that the five foolish virgins were bearing? It is very important to realize that they too had their lamps lit by Christ. No wonder all of them were born again. The book of Revelation chapter 22 verse 5 even brings you closer to understanding this. Revelation 22 verse 5. Look at what he says about the new Jerusalem. He says, There will be no more night in the new Jerusalem. They will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. I'm using this scripture that you may be able to understand that essentially it is Christ that lit the lamps when the virgins were stepping out. Because even in the New Jerusalem, where Christ will be, he tells us here, there will be no darkness. And yet there will be no sun, no need for the moon. Because the light that is Christ will be present in that city. And so right away you begin to understand that the light that the church that enters into the rapture is supposed to emit is a light that brings salvation unto the dying world. And the only light that can bring salvation to the dying world is the light that is lit by Christ, the Jesus of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Let's move to another level now. The book of John chapter 8 Let's finish with that, verse 12, so we may finish with the light. Just understanding, what did the Lord mean by the light, the lamps that they carried? John 8, verse 12. Why did the Lord require of the church that waits on the rapture to carry a lamp? What is it about this light? Now you're beginning to understand even deeper that inside this light is the identity of Christ. No wonder inside this light is the life of Christ. Now the book of John chapter 8, I'm reading verse 12. He says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you now begin to understand why it's so important to understand the character of this light that the virgin stepped out with? You don't want to step out with another light. 
then it will be a lot of wasting of time. Because he said, I am the light of the world, and whoever wants to follow me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now listen to something interesting here. I am going to advance you to the next level, where you will begin to understand that even as the virgin stepped out with the lamps, the lamps were lit, there was a certain efficiency with which the lamps were lighting. It's called the wick, the wick of the lamp. When you light up the lamp, there is a wick that sucks the oil, and the oil goes on to light. And when you have a new lamp that is just lit, it will burn with a certain efficiency when you step out in the darkness. But the more you burn this lamp, the more the lamp becomes more efficient, hallelujah, in drawing the oil, in emitting the light, you are removing the soot. Soot is the kind of smoke that you first see when the lamp is beginning to light. Becomes more and more efficient, which means even the Christians and the church that goes out there to wait on the Lord, when that church begins to burn, to emit the light and the life of Christ unto the dying world, she will begin to exude more light, more fruit of that light. She will begin to grow and mature more and more into the things of the salvation of our Lord Jesus that will draw more and more of the dying world into the salvation of our Lord. You see that? To begin to draw more and more of the dying world into Christ. So that will make this church, the five wise virgins, continuously walking this path, walking efficiently because their lamps are emitting the bright light, the good light, not stumbling and falling, thereby allowing them to mature up. Hallelujah. No wonder he says he's coming for a perfect and a mature bride. So when the winds of the world will come, they will not be swayed left and right, be extinguished, but will be able to withstand the storms of the peak hour, that is the midnight hour. Hallelujah. So there is an efficiency factor here as the virgins step out and their lamps begin to burn towards the midnight hour. And in so doing, I'm drawing you closer and closer to the fruit of the lamp, of the light, and of the life that the five wise virgins were giving to the dark world, the fruit. Essentially, I am moving you closer in this teaching towards the oil, the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Let us continue, precious people, and look at what is it that is in this light that the Lord spoke. I just want us now to look at close to the midnight hour. What happens close to the midnight hour? As the midnight hour draws closer and closer, what happens now to the five foolish virgins and the five wise virgins, their lamps, and even their waiting process? Hallelujah. What is the Lord speaking to you as the rapture church, the end time church, even the remnant among you that will enter? By the way, not all of you will enter. That's why it's very critical, it's imperative that you pay specific attention to this, that it may enter every fabric of the architecture of the fiber of your hearts. So you may leave this word, so you may be able to enter into the kingdom of God. 
In fact, if you can listen to me very carefully, what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking here now, He is saying, look, we are at the gate of the entrance into the kingdom of God, and He is now sorting out the remnant of the remnant who is entering into the rapture. This is what the Lord is talking about here. That when it comes finally to the gate, and those all have heard the voice, all have heard the trumpet, when it comes now to the finality of who actually enters, it will boil down to the quality of the light and the life of Christ that you emitted as a Christian. But let's look at the dying moments, the midnight hour. What happens at the midnight hour? Hallelujah. There are several factors here that the Lord is speaking to the church. He says, at the midnight hour, all the lamps go low. That's what we see. When the midnight hour came, all the lamps were going low. In other words, getting burnt out. Both the foolish virgins and the wise virgins. At the midnight hour, we also see that all the wicks needed to be trimmed. The foolish virgins woke up and trimmed the wicks of their lamps. So did the wise virgins wake up and trim the wicks of their lamps. Hallelujah. As the midnight hour grew closer, we see very clearly the fact that the lamps were going low. But one thing stands out clearly, that a state of anxiety sets in. The foolish virgins and the wise virgins woke up anxious, trimming their lamps, because the sounding of the voice of the archangel has been heard. There is a state of fear. The foolish virgins are asking for oil from the wise virgins. There is a state of panic. There is a storm that sets in, threatening to kill all the lamps. Hallelujah. There is a state of inability. Because you see very clearly, all the lamps needed to have their wicks trimmed. That means the way the lamps were burning, from when the ten virgins first stepped out, to the way they are burning now that the archangel has sounded the midnight cry at two different levels. Now we see that the lamps are going low. And we see that all the ten lamps are going low. But we also see that the five wise virgins are exactly the same as the five foolish virgins until the midnight hour sets in. Hallelujah. That is when all of a sudden the five wise virgins are distinguished from the five foolish virgins. Hallelujah. And yet we see that antes, previous to that, hallelujah, the wise virgins, they too had their lamps going low, which means in their inherent ability to sustain, to keep the waiting going, to keep the preparation going, they too were failing. That speaks of the fact that the foolish virgins and their counterparts, the wise virgins, that means the two churches did not have enough capability to carry on through into the wedding of the Lamb. They did not have their own inherent power enough to carry them through, and thereby making a marked difference between the wise virgins and the foolish virgins. And that difference being the external support. Hallelujah. The external consecrated anointing oil. Hallelujah. And so, before we go into that, I want to look at something more. Let us look at the bridegroom that is coming. Before we look at this external supply of support that only the wise virgins had. 
How about the bridegroom? We hear he has been announced. He is coming. What do we know about the bridegroom? Number one, just to clear the air, to make sure we are on the same page, the bridegroom comes in the darkness of the night. Hallelujah. He does not come in the light. Which means it was so critical for the ten virgins to have stepped out of the church, out of the house, to go into the darkness. Because that is where the bridegroom is coming into. Hallelujah. To pick his bride. Number two, there is a midnight cry that announces the coming of the bridegroom. He comes and he takes only the virgins that have the oil. That means the coming of the bridegroom to pick his bride is related to the oil. Because the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verses 7 to verse 9 says, The entire heaven said, Let us rejoice and be glad, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. Why? For his bride has made herself ready. But now we are seeing that the only way the bride would have made herself ready is if she had the anointing oil. She had the Holy Spirit. So it means the coming of the bridegroom is directly related to the availability of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So we have seen very clearly that when the Lord Jesus gave the parable of the ten virgins who went out to wait on the bridegroom and five of them being foolish and the other five being wise, it was a very deep conversation that Jesus was having with the church. But inside the depth of that conversation was a very important secret because inside that conversation it is very, very important, extremely important that the church elucidates, unveils, the church opens up the identity of the church that does not enter the rapture. In that way the church will be able to know by inference, by conclusion, the identity, the character, and the spiritual trait, the spiritual image of the perfect bride of Christ that is symbolized by the five wise virgins, the bride that enters the wedding banquet, the bride that enters into the wedding supper of the Lamb of God. Now, I want to look at another level of unraveling, which essentially means opening up deeper. What was typical? What is the character that is common to the five foolish virgins? Because it's amazing to me that no one can afford to read this parable just like one reads a storybook. Because it's amazing to me that the ten virgins, all of them are separated from the rest, from the church and the world, which means they have received revelation. They have also received revelation that the wedding of the Lamb of God is near. So that is commemorated by their being able to step out into the darkness, which means to go take up the commission for the last days to evangelize more, to be the light of the dying world, the lost souls, the light of the world. They are even able to hear the voice of the archangel announcing, announcing the mighty coming of the Lord. Hallelujah. At the same time, the five foolish virgins are not able to enter the kingdom of God. 
So to me it is very interesting to know what is it about them that was not clean into the kingdom of God. Because we see a church, this last church, we see so much similarity in this church of the five foolish virgins. If it's Holy Spirit, they say they are in field, they dance in the Holy Ghost, they speak in tongues, they do things, but are they able to, in the final moments, enter through the gates of heaven? We also see a generic blanket statement that is being spoken in different churches, that when you enter through that door, you receive the Lord, that's it, you've entered the kingdom of God. And yet here we now see that there is a further screening process for the remnant, and that is the remnant that stepped out, very much aware that the rapture is near, and he said five out of ten of them make up the remnant bride of Christ, which means 50% of that remnant finally enters. So we are talking about the remnant of the remnant. Hallelujah. I want to look further. Who are the foolish virgins? There are a few things I want to bring to you, which will bring you to another level. Number one, the first thing we know about them is that in the beginning, all the ten lamps had the initial amount of oil. Hallelujah. And even as we proceed, you will begin to realize we are answering the questions I raised in the beginning. Who are these virgins? Are they those who have refused the Holy Spirit? Are they the Jews? Are they the Pharisees that refused the covenant of grace which brings the Holy Spirit? Are they the church that did not receive the Holy Spirit? Are they the world that is not born again? Who are these people? But from the beginning you see very clearly that all, you see essentially that all the ten virgins took up their lamps and their lamps were lit. And that tells you that there was a minimal basal level, original level, the beginning level of anointing oil in all the ten lamps. Hallelujah. And that also tells you that all the lamps were capable of being lit by the Lord in the beginning. These are things that you cannot pick up if you read this parable as a story. And we cannot, we cannot read this parable as a story because we know that our Lord Jesus, He is the beginning and the end of all wisdom. And if He spoke in parable, it's even deeper, so we need a lot of help from the Holy Spirit so we can understand. Again, you see very clearly that all the lamps had an initial level of oil in the beginning. All the ten lamps, five for the foolish virgins, five for the wise virgins. Number two, we also see that all the lamps were able to be lit, were capable of being lit. Number three, we also see that all the lamps at that time, as they were lit, were taken out and capable of burning from the time the waiting process began to the midnight hour. It is only when the midnight hour was approaching that finally all the lamps were beginning to burn out, to fade out, and to go low. Hallelujah. 
that tells you that there is a basic level of anointing of the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is what the Lord is saying. That every single person that was created and walking onto this planet Earth has the initial capacity, the initial capability to recognize that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Because it is that initial capacity, that initial anointing, which the Lord imprinted in our lives, it is that anointing that the Lord prophesied in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, when he said, Let us make man in our image and likeness. Hallelujah. Let me give you an example here. It is like a father and a son separating for many, many years. Let's say the father travels to another country and many of his features may change in the physical. His dressing may change. He might be wearing a beard by the time he comes back. And the day he arrives at the airport and his son comes to meet him at the airport, however many changes may have taken place in the lives of the two, the father and the son, the father is still always able to pick up and say, this is my son. Hallelujah. And the son is always able to look at this man that is walking towards other people and say, I think this is my father. Which means the Lord when he created man and he said, let us make man in our image and likeness. It was a spiritual imprint. He imprinted into the spirit of the man the capability for the man to realize and recognize his creator. Hallelujah. In which process, he's talking about the ability of man to realize and be able to say that Jesus is Lord. It does not matter what religion they are. It does not matter whether they have no religion, they are atheists. But when you say Jesus is Lord, deep inside their souls, they will know that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Let me bring it to another level. That's why it's very common to hear and see that people may go striving all over the world looking for wealth, accumulate as much wealth as they want, accumulate as much property as they have, but finally you still see that in their lives they are complaining of some void. Say, so despite all this accomplishment, they still feel that there is an empty space, a void in their lives, that only the salvation of our Lord Jesus can fulfill. So that tells you that in the beginning, every single person is endowed, is equipped with the most minimum level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that will allow them in the Spirit to recognize that Jesus is Lord. And it is that anointing that makes them be able to recognize Jesus is Lord and then give their lives to Jesus. Hallelujah. So they are born again and their lamps are lit. Hallelujah. Let me take you further through scripture. And this is going to be very deep. 
We'll look at the life of John the Baptist. The book of Luke chapter 1, verse 15. Just to help you understand what I'm talking about. Luke chapter 1, verse 15. Look at what he says here. When the Lord was speaking to Zechariah about the birth of John the Baptist, he said, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Hallelujah. That tells you that God has the capability and he has a blueprint, he has a plan for man in which he's able to anoint every single person with the minimum level of the Holy Spirit so they can recognize him, recognize Christ, the Son of the living God, and after recognizing him, give him their lives, in other words, receive salvation, and have their lamps lit, poop, 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 their lamps lit. And that is essentially what happened to all the ten virgins. That's why all the ten lamps were able to be lit. Hallelujah. There must have been an initial level of oil in them, a level that was able to take them even up to a given length in the waiting process. But then what happens at the end? Let me take it to another level. Still talking about the initial level of anointing. The book of Matthew chapter 16. I'm reading verses 13 to 20. So you may understand what the Holy Spirit is saying. Matthew 16, 13 to 20. Look at what it says here. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Hallelujah. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say I am? Verse 16 of Matthew 16, Simon Peter answered, you are Christ, the Son of of the living God. Hallelujah. Verse 17 of Matthew 16. Jesus replied. Blessed are you Simon son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man. But by my father in heaven. At a time when he had not poured the Holy Spirit in the Pentecost. He had not gone up. So the Spirit may be released. You can see that there was a level of anointing of the Holy Spirit that came to Peter. So Peter could say, you are Christ, the Son of the living God. Recognize him. Look at what he says here. He says, that does not come from the world. Only the Father must have imprinted that in your spirit so you can recognize that I am Christ, the Son of the living God. Look at what it says, verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, for the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosened in heaven. Listen to this. Peter is able to use the wisdom, the minimal wisdom, the basal level 
the little amount that everybody is endowed with, he's able to use that level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit to recognize that surely Jesus, he is Christ, the Son of the living God. And that is the level of anointing that all human beings, the six billion plus on earth, have been gifted with during creation, that they may be able to recognize Jesus as being Christ, the Son of the living God, and then surrender their lives, and then be born again, receive the salvation of the Lord. And look at what Jesus says after that. He says, Therefore, on this rock I'll build my church. What did he mean by that? His church is his perfect bride. Hallelujah. He didn't mean a church that will collapse and not go into heaven. He didn't mean a church that will wait with their candles, with their lamps burning, and when the midnight hour comes, they fail to enter. He talked about the five wise virgins. Hallelujah. The ones that can do the effective, efficient, transforming waiting that will be able to bring them into the kingdom of God. In other words, he said, on this basal level, on this minimum level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I will build my church. Because based on that, they will be able to recognize me, and then I can do the further works on them once they have entered and perfection them so they may be my perfect bride. Isn't that amazing? Still on the same level, I am talking about the ten lamps. Why is it that all the ten lamps had to be lit? Does it mean they were empty? And the definite answer is no. That means all the ten lamps had the basic level of anointing of the Holy Spirit, all the ten virgins, the anointing that allowed them to recognize Christ and give their lives to Christ, be Christians, hallelujah, the little anointing that allowed them to recognize that time has changed for the church, the wedding rings are in the sky, the clock in heaven says one minute to midnight, so they may know that Christ the Messiah is coming in the rapture of the church, to know that even the remnant church of Christ will be the one that will be taken from the church, so that they would have their lamps lit and step out, out of the usual church, to go in the darkness and wait for the Lord with their lamps. They all had some oil in their lamps, the minimum level of oil. Let me bring your father, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, even underscores this much better. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 3. And he says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols, okay? Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking in the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. You see that? And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. You see that? That's why I'm telling you, all people that give their lives to Christ, 
they essentially activate that minimum level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which level was imprinted into their lives during creation, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, so they can give their lives to Christ, say, Jesus is Lord, and give their lives to Christ, so their lamps can be lit. Hallelujah. Wherever you are, it does not matter in what situation you are. All that matters is that we are very blessed to have been able to receive this message from the Lord. And so, if you will join into this prayer, you are crossing into the kingdom of God. So repeat after me right now. Mighty Jesus, I am receiving you today and now. So you may be my Lord and my Savior. Precious Holy Jesus, I repent of all my sins. Please forgive my sins and fill my heart with the Holy Spirit. Restore me, Jesus. Mighty Jesus, I am a new creation today. In the name of Jesus, I have prayed this prayer. Amen. Amen. 